Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Time and Place, the gospel conversation show where we discuss faith on the fringes and do our best to apply God's word to God's world. I'm Solomon, this is Julian, and today we're going to talk about Christmas movies. Yeah, so a special guest joining us again. Uh, if you remember from the Christian horror episode, Vacation Bible School, down below, our, uh, our media expert joining us today. <laughs> well, that's kind of you. Thank you. I'm very, very happy to be here. Returning once again. I had a lot of fun last time. Yeah. I'm assuming, so I, we were talking about it last week, and I figured Christmas got has got to be right up your alley, Christmas media, with your, your oh, yeah. consumer culture philosophy and all of that kind of stuff. It's got to be like right down the pipe for you. Oh, yes. It's, it's really fascinating um, this time of year because it is at the same time so full of uh, just religion and, and especially Christianity and themes of faith. And, you know, we're in the midst of Advent and like all these things, like very sincere, like really mm -hmm. going hard on, on the religion stuff. And at the same time going at least equally as hard, if not more hard uh, with consumerism and commercialism and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And so it, these things are just existing at max capacity right now at the same time sometimes competing with one another, sometimes blending together in really fascinating ways. So uh, it's it's an interesting season every year. And it, I thought it would die a little bit this year, just with, you know, everything going on. I thought there'd be more hesitancy to go out and shop and like, but it's not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we have, we have the internet. And so people are just kind of, you know, spending hours scrolling and, and, and online shopping and which, you know, if, I'm, if I have to be honest, as much as I critique consumerism, if I have to be honest, it's not nearly as fun, uh, <laughs> you know, just scrolling through Amazon, and, oh, yeah. you know, the, you don't get to walk through the mall and hear that um, smooth jazz Christmas music playing in Macy's <laughs> and, you know, like I, I miss those moments. <laughs> there was oh, yeah. a, I saw an announcement today that on Peacock, the new NBC streaming service, they're going to have... I don't really how, understand what, what the how it's going to work, but it's called office meditation. So they're going to be so when you watch like, the office. Like no, it's like when you're not watching the office. If you're working at home or just like hanging out, you can put on background noise that is just the sound of an office building and also audio clips from the office. So it feels like you work at Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is horrifying. Um, oh my gosh, I think we. It, I, I don't have time to get into it. I'm going to have to think about this and I'm going to write about it. Um, there's a philosopher. Uh, I'm not going to say it right. So any philosophers listening to this are going to get mad at me, but uh, uh, Baldriard who talked about like um, simulation and simulacrum and, and, and the elimination of reality and replacing it for a type of simulation mm. and, and false reality <laughs> um, that uh, it, he has like these mm. four different stages. And I think we just reached the final stage with, with, with it. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna have to <laughs> now, sorry, but it's that's that's a horrifying reality. Yikes! Well, do, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Do you remember uh, there was that movie that came out with Bruce Willis like a decade ago called The Surrogates? Surrogates. It was, I don't think I it was a, yeah, I remember that. I don't. I didn't, I didn't watch it, but I, remember, I know what you're talking about. It was almost like The Matrix, but instead of uh, a, a computer world, you would lay in like an AI tube. And you had a, a robot that would go out and live your life for you, but you would be the consciousness in it. Mm. Oh, okay. So like Avatar. Yeah, kind of, like that, right? exactly. But, but uh, like a Matrix. Reality? 
Okay. You know, yeah, and like actual reality, everybody's walking around, but it's you, whatever you want to look like. So Bruce Willis is like young and svelte still in this movie. Gosh, oh, that sounds really good. Or at least the concept. I don't know if the movie it is. It's an interesting concept because you see clips yeah. of like, you know, you can't die. So they'll just destroy their avatar as like experimenting with suicide for fun. And it doesn't matter because you just get another one. Like nothing happens. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's it's crazy. weird. It's that weird. Like, what would you do if you knew you couldn't die? Yeah. Ooh. Like Groundhog Day. Like Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Nice. That's cool. Is there a Christmas version of Groundhog Day? Has there ever been a movie or a media where like somebody stuck? Yes. In... Okay. Yes. Um, it's uh, uh, Mickey Mouse's Christmas. It's like one of the animated things that came out. I think early two thousands. I watched it every year as a kid. Where uh, Huey, Dewey, and, and Louie. That's I think Donald mm. Donald Duck nephews. They're yeah. stuck in Christmas. You know, they they wish upon the Christmas star or something. It'll be another three hundred and sixty five days until we get more Christmas. Starlight. Star bright, first star I see tonight. I wish I may, I wish I might have the wish I wish tonight. We, we wish it was Christmas every day. Oh man, I wish it was Christmas every day, and then they have to relive it, and it gets really dark and depressing. Till tomorrow, when it happens all over again. You're right. Yesterday's today, and and today's tomorrow, and. It's gonna be the same thing day in and day out and day in and day out and day out. Get a grip! <laughs> hey man, those 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 Donald those those Donald Duck cartoons and in, in comics uh, got pretty serious. Those Carl Barks, they he was um, they, they they got a lot of Indiana Jones from like Uncle Scrooge and stuff. Those <laughs> oh yeah, Ducktales comics. And in fact, there was a Ducktales comic that. Uh, Basically, there's an accusation that Inception is ripped off of this DuckTales comic. And, really? Yeah, because <laughs> the Bugle Boys try to break into Scrooge McDuck's dreams because they think all he dreams about is money. And so they think if they can break into his dreams, they can just have all the money they ever want. Yeah. And oh, so they do weird. it. And it's like it's like the like a cap with like cords and like they're all like in, asleep and they're go it's Inception, bro. It's crazy, and then oh they get gosh. in there, but 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 the, but it, they're disappointed to find that he that he doesn't dream about money. He dreams about his past in Scotland and stuff, and he dreams about wow. the love of his life that got away, and he dreams about all these like real like meaningful things. And then they're like trapped in there, and then like Donald Duck and the boys go in after him, and like we gotta we gotta save him. And so they go <laughs> fall asleep, and they go inside, scrooging those dreams and stuff, and and there's like this nothingness that's like kind of like the nothing and never any story of like just gonna wipe his mind and they gotta they're all afraid oh that or whatever. dude it's like it's legit it's it's straight up inception yeah is that the most depressing christmas media thing you've ever seen or is there is there more depressing ones um i know well i know i did watch like the christmas shoes movie one time in school um, mm. They showed that to us, um, but I, I don't think I paid attention. So, like, I, I think I managed to like not uh, get into the whole the movie you know, impression of it. Yeah, there, I think there's like a movie version. Oh of it. yeah, Maybe there's a movie. Oh, I think like man. it's like yeah, Neil, no, Neil you're Patrick definitely right. Yeah, I, I I think it's uh no, I think it's Rob Lowe. Kid, you don't have enough money. Come back after New Year's, we'll probably be giving them away. <laughs> Too late, 
something. Sir? <laughs> it was before Parks and Rec. You didn't have his resurgence yet. I feel like it's floating around here somewhere. But yeah, they definitely made a Christmas Shoes movie. The, oh, I had forgotten about it completely until this year. I heard it somewhere for the first time in like five years. The song, the, yeah. The Christmas Shoes song, yeah. The most oh, like, oh man, I hate that song. Everything is- yeah, yeah. I once I hadn't heard it before. My friends were talking about it, and they're like, "Dude, it's so depressing." And I was like, "Whatever, <laughs> play it. It's not going to be that bad." We made it through the first verse, and I told, them, "I was like, turn it off, turn it off." <laughs> Could you hurry, sir? Daddy says there's not much time. You see, she's been sick for quite a while, and no, these shoes will make. Want her to look beautiful If mama meets Jesus tonight And that was, man, that oh, was man. one of those, like, full-on crossover hits. Yeah. That got real radio airplay. What about the one that's, like, uh, do they even know it's Christmas time in oh, Africa? Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, the... Oh, yeah. Feed the world? Yeah, everybody together for Africa. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest gift they'll get this year is life. <laughs> like, it's wow. just like, it's just like, like, you know, popping tune, you know? Yeah. I watched this week for the first time in like a couple of years, Jingle All the Way. Ah oh, yes. Oh, that's every that's every year, dude. That's, no, I hadn't seen it in a that's long like time. Every year. I forgot how insane Staple. that movie is. Like, I love Jingle All the Way, <laughs> <laughs> top to bottom, insanity the whole way it through. Is. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great movie. I, I love. Yeah, that my family quotes that like crazy, um, <laughs> all the time. You know, the put my cookie down. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> mm. Oh, these cookies! I gotta get the recipe from Lev. Put that cookie down now. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that, that movie is um, hilarious. I, I love every part of it. I, I was really surprised like um, th- watching it this last year, um, all the different kind of genres that they blend into it as well. Mm. Of like, the, there's the whole Bruce Lee, where it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, martial arts thing where uh, uh, he's, he's fighting all those different samples. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was just cracking up at that. Like, it, it struck me for the first time that that's like what they were. It was like Kill Bill, but yeah, like, but... Schwarzenegger fighting Santa Claus. Crazy eighty-eight. The best part of that movie at the end of it is the greatest thing because it goes full absurdity, just full superhero movie. Yeah. There's jetpacks. Sinbad's fist shoots off. It's the coolest thing ever. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> You can always count on me. Just that idea that a, a Thanksgiving Day Parade has military, not even military, future grade technology <laughs> for a subsequent. Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was flying around those skyscrapers. 
so that talk about consumerism that mm-hmm. is that is that the epitome movie of like the quintessential movie oh, yeah of, it's of a brilliant satire yeah it's a brilliant satire <laughs> of consumerism of, of these it's like the sheer horror of people <laughs> losing their minds to just consume this product. Mason in the and face. And like, you know, beating each other up and, and they're like getting into martial arts fights with Santa Clauses and um, all of this like, yeah. desperate stuff. And when they throw I, those I, balls, like, when they throw those balls. Yes, yes. <laughs> But I love the end <laughs> of this kind of message that, you know, what the kid ultimately needs is just the love of, of his father and right, right. You know, the, the, the right. love of his parents. And that's kind of like what he ultimately needs. It's not just this, you know, mass consumerist, you know, toy that <laughs> is like dominating his life. Merry Christmas. Wow. This is gonna make my son really happy. But Jamie, I thought you wanted this doll more than anything. What do I need the doll for? I got the real Turbo Man at home. That's my dad. That's my dad. So it has a nice message, but it, yeah, it is a great satire, and especially like the time period is. This is you know after, I think like the Cabbage Patch craze, and so this is based on real things yeah. that real people do. Yeah, yeah. We saw we saw a lot of that that, that whole action figure uh, obsession. Uh, we got a kind of a front row seat to that, yeah. right, Julian, at the, the, the comic book store. So oh, people man. were really obsessing over. Uh, it, it, it was always grown men, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was always what I didn't have as a kid, right? Yeah, it was like, always that I didn't, add, I couldn't ever afford these when I was a kid. So now I'm coming to this used toy store, basically, and, yeah. and buying them, you know, and I'll pay whatever because I'm buying a piece of my childhood back. Mm-hmm. Versus like, oof, that's so, how much stock you putting into. <laughs> stuff <laughs> the kind of disposability of those kind of things like mm-hmm. uh when you hold an old ninja turtle figure from like 1985 it's sticky because the plastic wasn't melt- yes. meant to last so it's it's yes. like disintegrating in front yeah. of you and they're still like uh, oh this is everything i've ever needed in my life it's just it's so sad <laughs> you know like those he-man those he-man toys those are the worst those are really disgusting um yeah because I you couldn't <laughs> yeah they, there was one that smelled like a skunk or that smelled like uh, it was a, it was a skunk and it smelled like they put it in like patchouli leaves or something in the factory <laughs> and they made the toys. Yeah. And then it smelled like crap. And <laughs> so some of these like still smell bad and they're like, Hmm. Yeah. But that is like a thing that, that companies are doing now trying to sell us, kind of these nostalgic feelings um, and, and people, like you said, buying back their their childhood. And I, I don't mean to like shame that in and of it. Obviously I get caught up into it as well, but there, there's a general problem of it's kind of keeping people from being able to truly come to terms with their childhood, to truly mm-hmm. like mature mm-hmm. and to like integrate what their childhood was into their, their present moment and, and everything. And it's just kind of, uh, I don't know. It can be like a, a distraction sometimes in that sense to that keeps people from really maturing in ways that they that they should. Man, yeah, man, and it's hard because 
it, it, there is a like, compulsive aspect to it too of like collecting. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And yeah, like the, I remember when I read it, it was like uh, I forget what it was in. I think it was like a Wizard magazine talking about toy collecting and stuff, and some article about it. And this guy was like, "Those those three little words that ruin our lives: collect them all." Yeah. <laughs> <You know? Yes. laughs> and it is. It's just like, oh wait, is a set? Oh, okay. <laughs> I have to get all seven. I have to complete it. It's like, oh, got a com- completionist. You got to get the set. Yeah, that's yeah. Perfect, like comic book collectors or like any sort mm. of, uh, you know, get all the trolls or get all of the, you know, Pokemon. Collect them all. I mean, that's like literally the whole premise right. behind Pokemon, yeah. right? Like, which was yeah. a huge nostalgic consumerist, you know, thing right. uh, for pop culture. It was Pokemon, and that just fit right into that compulsive like collect them yeah. all, get all the cards, like everything yeah how like marvel movies have become so successful they have the cinematic universe and so it plays into that and every everything has a cinematic universe now it has that like kind of completionist mentality of right you know well i don't really care about i mean you know the sequel to ant-man but i guess i gotta see it because you know i've seen everything else (laughs) oh yeah you know what though that that's built into to Marvel because that's a comic book thing. Like you don't want to read yeah. Ant Man number eighty five, but it's a tie in to Secret Wars, so you have to get it, or you're not going to know what was going on in this one panel. Exactly. Like yeah, that's yeah. baked into the culture of comic books. Right. Yeah. yeah, and they do, man. Like all the tie in comics have a thing called tie in, yeah. and so oh. like you'll have like the you'll read you'll read Batman, you know, Batman issue ninety five or whatever, and then there's a story arc, and it's like part three in. Detective Comics. I was like, well, I don't right. read Detective Comics. It's like, well, now, <laughs> now you do. You got- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to go buy the other comic. <laughs> yep. Even in, like, I'm sure you've read an old 70s issue where, like, you flip it open and you'll see, like, Spider-Man in the background of a Fantastic Four story. And there'll be a little caption that says, to see where Spider-Man's going, check Amazing Spider-Man 538. And you're yeah. like, I got to go get it now. I got to know what's going on. Yeah, they'll have they'll have those little notes, little, like, the asterisks, too, in, like, the yeah. footnotes. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, yeah. It's like this happened in Amazing Spider-Man 500. It's like well, I gotta see that now. Like, what are those? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. there's there is that I don't know. Uh, you're not in the mm-hmm. know. Like if you read right. everything, right. you would know. But it's like oh, I don't know. And that and there's nowhere more the exclusive club than a comic book store. <laughs> like and, and there there is this like outsiders and insiders thing yeah and yeah. if you first walk into a comic book store there is that they're all hanging at the counter they're talking whoever you're like you know everybody knows each other and uh and then there's this outsider feeling and you hate the insider group right because yes. they're clicky and that's that's people shouldn't be that way but you want to be in that club you want I, more than I, you hate them you want to be inside <laughs> and as soon as and as soon as they pull you in, oh, it's the best place in the world. This is my clubhouse. This is my <laughs> world. I wanted to start. Me and me and uh, uh, I think it was Albert wanted to do a uh, a toy store called Graven Images, and just have like all could <laughs> use toy store. That's awesome. All action That's awesome. action figures and statues and stuff it's called Graven Images. <laughs> that's the weird part of that like action figure culture because i think that's why action figures more than like we we used to have high-end products but they wouldn't be as sought after as the action figure that was like gold Mm. because a lot of those those action figures were part of a tv show tie-in right like to to sell the figure you make a show and that's the commercial like we don't do marketing we make a show that's the marketing so it Mm -hmm. is that like 
programming like oh i need this turtle because my whole life i watched whatever and now i remember this or he-man yeah or well, they, or i mean they literally made it that was the commercial they made the right. he-man show yes. to sell toys right, right? yeah you know it was like that was the consumer it's like oh this is i love it because of the show it's like no dummy they made that was a commercial for you <laughs> every saturday yes. morning transformers yes. too like, there there was no <laughs> toys before for the show or like there was no show before the toys right you know <laughs> that's nuts man it's so almost sinister but brilliant the way they honed in on that like if we flash it in front of your face every day you'll just want it with everything in you yeah yeah do you all have a christmas gift that that you remember like as a kid like getting like a real mm -hmm. thing that like you remember sticks out <laughs> i do yeah i i was super into calvin and hobbs growing up nice. um, and I, I i mean i still love calvin and hobbs and uh one year, my parents got me a giant stuffed tiger, um, <laughs> like thing that, that looked like Hobbs. And so uh, that's still my favorite Christmas present I've ever got. Still have it. You know, I, I can't get rid of that. I, um, yeah. So, so still love that thing. Um, but yeah, so that's probably my favorite Christmas present I've ever gotten. Nice. I played with it a ton too as a kid. I, I got a lot of stuff that I remember. Um, uh, but the one thing I remember like being really excited for, I must've been like seven. And it was one of these uh, Fisher Price uh, castle set thing. And mm -hmm. it was like a, all big, like a big castle. And then you could go on the other side was inside it. And so you could have like the- I like, might've had that. Room. So, yeah, it was very, it was very common. I've, I've seen it before. It had like a tower they, on it and like a cannon. Like tower. Yes, this little- cannon wall. I had that, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember opening that and we're like, this is the coolest thing ever. Cause it was just like a whole castle and I was like totally into it. And yeah, I remember that was like really awesome. I, I know I've gotten more expensive gifts than that and like more <laughs> better gifts, but that, but it's like that kid brain thing of like, yes, this is awesome. And then I like, I think the next year I got like a pirate ship to go with it. It was the same, it was the oh, same man. line again, again, that, that, <laughs> Share, it's like Legos. They all connect, and it's all, right. all the same system. <laughs> yeah, and then they, they had a Western town thing, and then like a uh, Robin Hood tree forest thing. And it was like all these little, it was like all these little Robin sets, Hood. right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, and and all the carol people were like the same size and stuff. And they could go on everything else, and yep. man, that was exactly. just like a whole world that like. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds awesome. Like as you're I saying, think, it, I, think like, man, why, I think that might have led to. I think it might have led to, in probably Age of Empires too, led to like anything that has like a little world, like anything that's yeah. like Sims or like, mm -hmm. uh, you know what I'm talking about? Like, a, like anytime, like a miniatures, Legos, yeah, any, even like Christmas villages, you know, like anything right. of like a little right. world where you can kind of be above it and everything makes sense, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> cool. I love that. I love, I love those things, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was my favorite <laughs> I had one year, I'm, I was older too, so it's a little more sad and nerdy. I was like 14, I think, and it was when uh, Marvel Legends had just become a thing, when they were just selling the sets. Oh, wow. And it was uh, when they started doing the Build-A-Figure, and it mm. was the the uh, Sentinel. It was the Sentinel set, and if you got every figure in the set, you could build a Sentinel. And I got the full set. So I built Dang, a sentinel. Boy. It's like a yeah, it's like it was like this tall, just a, a three foot sentinel just sitting there. And I was like, this That's is cool. Awesome. I'm not gonna play with it, but That's it's cool. awesome. <laughs> I remember yeah, McDonald's like, or some one of those trying to do a thing with Inspector Gadget. Remember that? 
Yes. Get their own gadget based on the real Inspector Gadget from Disney's new movie. Each gadget is its own gizmo. Put them all together and they create one colossal crime fighter. <laughs> yeah, but then you get like four legs. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you never find the head or never find like, they made a bunch oh of little gadgets. Oh, very common. I made a couple of them super hard to find. Or like, yeah. like make yeah. as many yeah. heads and torsos or something. So everybody had a leg or an arm or something. It was just like, it wasn't like the Builder figures where you could like, no, I'm buying the leg. Right. I'm buying the arm. Like it wasn't hidden. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, there was yeah. Uh, one toy I remember getting that does tie into a Christmas movie. I don't remember the first one is. I feel like it had to be. Was I had the little talk boy from uh, Home Alone. The one oh, that you were recording yeah. to and play back. Yeah, Credit I have card, oh, you got it. Even had speed control. Hi, kids. We're home early. Hi, kids. We're home early. Tiger's new talk boy tape recorder. It was cool for a little while. Then it's like, like your, your dad's tape recorder does that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't in a movie that I saw that I wanted. True. It's true. <laughs> true. That's that marketing, man. That's that. Kevin McAllister got into the Plaza Hotel with that thing, right? <laughs> Imagine what I could do if I have that. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, Home Alone's a good one, dude. I, I, I freaking love Home Alone. We watched the first two every year. We just watched them not too, not just the other day. That's I do love that scene where he's uh, playing back the movie for the hotel staff. And what, what's his name? Uh, I can't think of his name now. Dr. Frankenfurter. What's his name? Tim Curry. Uh, Tim Curry, yes, Tim yeah. Curry. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Down on your knees and tell me you love me. Knees. I love you. It's so good. <laughs> Tim Curry's great in that film. I just feel sorry for the pizza boy. Uh, the poor pizza boy. So diligent and so, like, in the first one, you know, he's on time and he, you know, did his job and then get shot at. <laughs> Before I pump your guts full of lead. One, two, ten. <laughs> Like, you didn't deserve that. Come on, Kevin. Like, it's nice to be called the police, you know, to have. <laughs> Hello, I was trying oh. to deliver a pizza and someone shot a Tommy gun at me. <laughs> it's true. I know. It's just like, <laughs> the life of a pizza boy. <laughs> it's a dangerous job. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> another, just another night. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, and no, like, I, I, I understand. Like, do you have to be 18 years old to order a pizza? Like, why was the whole? Why do you hide? And like, Kevin, <laughs> that's like, a good point. Yeah. You mentioned. It. I think I, I think I picked up pizzas, like or like you know received pizzas from my parents whenever right. I was a kid. Like, oh yeah, yeah, my parents had yeah, the like, yeah. yeah. they gave me the money. They don't want to go to count. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> not a big like dangerous thing. A secret right. thing. <laughs> <laughs> they needed to demonstrate how crafty this child was so you could believe that he could outsmart Joe Pesci. Exactly. If they didn't sow that seed early, then you wouldn't believe it either. <laughs> oh, that's true. They got to set, yeah, they got to set up the movie thing, scaring people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I heard that that was used, uh, that Home Alone 1 was used in schools, like film school, to show how to perfectly tie up loose ends huh. in that, of like, because everything is like accounted for. Like how he loses the ticket, they kind of zoom in like he gets thrown in the trash with the milk. 
and then like the cable repairman guy is up on the on the uh, you know the pole so the lights yeah. work the next day kind of thing and like everything is like there's no loose ends apparently of like the, the right. plot it's hole a, yeah it's a highly like unbelievable you know thing that happens yeah. it's like the perfect storm and so you have to like you said tie up all those loose ends of trying to go through and systematically show like okay it just happens to be the perfect storm one in a million chance um so yeah that's that's funny yeah so what is you'll have like a, a stack of movies that you'll go through every year because we do we have like a the definitive like that's the stack it never moves and we just <laughs> walk down the same movies every year I've had, a, I've had a couple of staples but i don't have like elf every year i gotta watch elf Elf's good. Yes, maybe yes. my favorite elf. One. yeah elf and is great that one's so funny because it's such a thing. yeah yeah another one because it's i mean that's that's the thing about christmas movies is that when they're from a secular worldview atheist worldview like they have to tie it to something bigger but it's not god so like, what's the next thing? The family, father, some some kind of father figure has to be the thing right. that you tie it into. But yeah, which, I, which I think I think that could be just as bad as consumerism because there's a lot of like like consumerism with with uh, Christmas, right? But I think there's just as much, if not more, uh, spiritualism or like this weird Gnostic thing where like, oh yeah, no consumerism, no material things, but then it gets replaced with like family and love and peace and togetherness and friendship and it's like well okay well that's not what christmas is about either so it's like you can fall into idolatry in both ways of like the materialistic consumerism or the spiritualism you know kind of gnostic like okay it's all just the uh feelings sentimentality kind of thing of just being together family giving being grateful to who who knows who but you should be grateful uh, <laughs> each other i guess um and then like that so that that's what christmas is like you see the, the grinch right but then the grinch thought of something he hadn't before maybe christmas he thought doesn't come from a store maybe christmas perhaps means a little bit more yeah it does but not it's like but their answer the answer in the grinch is uh everybody being together on christmas and friendship and inclusiveness and stuff it's like those are good, but it's not God. And that, you know, it's it's still idolatry. You're still kind of idolizing this, you know, sentimentality and these feelings of things. And so it's just as wrong. And that seems to be the answer against, that seems to be the world's answer against con the consumer materialism of Christianity or of Christmas. Uh, and then it's kind of the, the the thing that all the movies land on, you know, even Elf and stuff and just every, like, yeah. even, you know, I mean, everything is just, it always comes back to family and giving and, you know, except for the Charlie Brown Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's the only one that like reads like right to right and like <laughs> we actually talk about like unto us a Savior is born. Like okay, great, yeah, like that's that's what Christmas is all about. Thanks, Linus. <laughs> Linus is the only one got it right in the mainstream. <laughs> True gospel. Yes. I found out yeah. through that. Uh, I haven't watched the whole episode yet, but that that Christmas movie that made us that apparently Elf almost didn't get made because they didn't I think Will Ferrell could carry a movie. Yeah, I did watch that. I watched wow. that on Netflix. Yeah, that was really interesting. That was John Favreau's. Well, after Made and Swingers, I guess that was the first movie he yeah. like directed. Yeah, and it was really. 
doing? I didn't know that. And then he went on to do Iron Man and become well, John Favreau, you know. It's weird to me, though, um, that in my mind, I remember that as being like when uh, Anchorman and Talladega Nights and yeah, Semi-Pro, well, came out, all that so coming out. That was the thing they said in that in that show, that episode about Elf, was um, they said, they, I guess it was made, being made at the same time, or he'd just come off making mm-hmm. old, old School, and they were going into production and stuff of Elf, and then mm-hmm. Old School came out, and then he was Frank the Tank, call it, you know, insane for, you know, and then it was like, well, okay, we're going to put him in yellow tights for this feel good <laughs> Christmas movie. How do we do this? Like, we got to, and they're like, we got to change out. We got to re edit it. We got to, like, make it, you know, more frat boy humor kind of thing. And they were like, no, we don't want it to be that. And, like, they, they took John Favreau off the movie. There they got him. No. They got him out, and because that was his whole idea was like to to like make this good family Christ, uh, family Christmas movie, and uh, the crew apparently uh, said we're not making that movie without John Favreau. Like we're we're gonna make wow. John Favreau's movie, and we're gonna watch. Wow, yeah. and we're just all like everybody that was on the movie was like we're just not gonna do this if we want to change it like that. Yeah. And and they're like okay, well, we already we already got to do it. So they like put him back in and. And made Elf, and that you know became wow. Elf. But that's yeah, that was a big yeah. thing with with Will Ferrell. Was like he was this crazy guy, and it's like, Ooh. yeah, I think that's <laughs> I, I I've been thinking about it this year. I, I really do like Elf a lot, and I appreciate the kind of humor that is within it. And it, I think it demonstrates a good way of being really funny without like making fun of people. Mm-hmm. You know, like because. Uh, right. The structure there's a great video on this and i can't remember the name of it i watched it on youtube it's kind of like how to be funny and it analyzes the structure of like jokes and uh, the structure of many jokes is such that it often has a victim um mm-hmm. and this is why like humor can so easily fall into something that's more like bullying you know and it's like a thin line that you have to walk um and you know making fun of people or belittle belittling other people um especially like victimizing or, or belittling people who already are kind of vulnerable or have less power than you or something right. like that, you know, taking away their agency. It's, it's a thin line to walk. Um, but in Elf, you have this kind of childlike man from a completely different culture um, who is thrust into our contemporary world. Um, and this would normally be in wit, a, a situation which kind of like he would be the butt of every joke. And right. you see this sometimes in like the the foreign person from a different culture comes to America and then you just make fun of them the whole time. Um, you know, for like, being immature, right? You, we're wrong. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's the whole point is that like, you know, uh, it ends up where the joke is kind of on us. You're not singing. Yes, I am. No, you're not. You're just moving your lips. Michael, please, what's the big deal? Dad. Santa Claus is coming to town. exhibits tons of agency as a character, and he uses that power to express like an unrelenting love for other people, mm-hmm. selflessness, uh, concern for their welfare and joy. And he doesn't exactly expect anything in return. He just, that's just what you do. You know, you are loving to other people. Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. Um, and so the joke is on kind of us and on our culture and on the people around him who are too, like, corrupted by cynicism and pessimism and greed that they can't embrace it. This is kind of game. What do you want, some money? 
No, I just wanted to meet you, and I thought you might want to meet me. Um, but like you do see some people embrace it, and it's often kind of like those who are uh, maybe disenfranchised, or so like you know a child whose father is not there for him is able to kind of you know on the outskirts, vulnerable, uh, is able to embrace this. We'll figure it out, okay? Figure out what? Buddy cares about everybody. All you care about is yourself. A lot of like um, underpaid. I don't. The word maybe isn't exploited, but you know, workers, you know, like in the mailroom who are just have this crappy job that they live through. You're my best friend. That's it. You're my best friend. You know, buddy. You're nobody my best friend. around here listens to me. I yeah. got really good ideas. I believe it. I know. I'm right. I listen to you. You have great ideas. Right. Um, you know, the, the the girl that he falls in love with, who's poor. You make me feel so young. Sorry. You know, they're, they're the people who are ultimately able to, um, you know, embrace his unrelenting uh, love. And, um, you know, then the, at the end, they find a way for him to kind of like embrace his own culture while being in a new mm. world. And he like uses that in order to, uses that new platform to like inspire children. And everything. So I, 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 I just think that it's a really well done film um, from that perspective. I love too that the the villain villain of the movie is a, a children's book publishing company. Yes, like that's, yes. That's so funny that it's in theory something super innocent, but it's all about like forget Christmas, forget your family. We got deadlines to meet. We got to get these children's books out. Yeah, yeah, trying to take away children's books from orphans, from you know. Orphans. Like, yeah, it, it just sets it like the worst. Like, but you, you miss the payments, all right? Yeah, so, yeah. the nuns. And James Con is so good in that role because James Con just great. looks like the kind of guy that would take books from orphans. Yeah, yeah. Let me call the man. <laughs> James Con. Yeah, that was one of the things they mentioned in that that episode too. Like. James Kahn, you mean even the guy from Misery? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Sonny Corleone, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what's a great a, movie, what, man. What's your go-to Christmas movie? Do you have a, a kind of staple that you have besides the Mickey uh, Disney? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, what is what is one of my go-tos? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh yeah, Jingle All the Way is one of my favorite. Home Alone, um, I like that a lot. Uh, let's see, Char I think you know, like we said, Charlie Brown Christmas. That that one is something that I I just think is really uh, beautiful, and I have tons of respect for for that movie. Um, so yeah, th those are some of the classics that I that I enjoy. I, I do look forward every year to well, probably more than any other movie. I look forward to that moment when I get to watch Charlie Brown. Mm -hmm. Uh, Christmas with my family. I think that's so. I, I'd probably put that at the top. My dad would make us all sit down every year and watch the the Christmas Juggernaut. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh yeah, there you go. Yes, yes, that's a it great wasn't, one. It wasn't it wasn't Christmas until we sat through 
the five hours of it's a wonderful life. <laughs> five hours that must have been like a special director's cut. I, I think it's a little short did they edit that out for them when you're when you're uh 12 years old it feels like five hours the black yeah. and white makes it seem longer yeah right. exactly yeah, but that's a movie I did. I used to like dread watching. I tried to avoid it as much as I could. And the older I get, I really love that movie. It's so good. I liked that movie as a kid. That was that. that I really liked that movie even as a kid. Uh, I just thought it was funny, like Uncle Billy and just like <laughs> Jimmy Stewart. Like they just like I thought they talked funny and it was cool. I just I don't know. I just loved the crap out of that movie. Um, so we have our stack, and it's I'm trying to think of the top of my head. I've got it over there. It's uh, we start light with something uh, like uh, serendipity. You ever seen that movie? Total chick flick rom com. Kate Beckinsale and um, John Cusack, and okay. they they meet, and then the years the years later, it's a whole kind of sleepless in Seattle type deal, but um, where they're kind of trying to find each other. It's like the one that got away, and then they're about to get uh, married. Uh, yeah, other people, yes. and then they're like, well, let me still think about that one guy I met, and. You know, so they meet up and back in New York and uh, they're hunting for each other. And that's all these little clues they're following. And so, you know, what's yeah. going on. But they don't. It's really, it's really good. It's really, you know, rom-com, you know, kind of, but it happens at Christmas time. Yeah. My wife. <laughs> um, yeah, we watched that movie. I love that movie. But uh, and then we watch uh, a movie called Trapped in Paradise with uh, Nicolas Cage mm. and uh, John Lovitz and Dana Carvey. Are, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm definitely sold. I need to check this out. I, they're, I the, they're, they're the they're the they're the Furpo brothers, and and John Lovitz and Dana Carvey have been in prison for. Stealing, stealing something, and then uh, they get out. Nicholas Cage is kind of trying to change his ways of being a criminal, you know. And then he's stuck with his criminal brothers who aren't trying to change their ways. Present, I, much like my reptilian brother, the pterodactyl, shall fly high above thy problems. And he's like, getting, kind of gets sucked back into their stupidity and stuff. And um, they go to this little town. They're in New York. They go to this little town in Pennsylvania called Paradise, and they rob a bank. And then, And then it gets snowed in. They can't get out of this tiny little town. <laughs> oh, no. And then everybody's like so nice to them. And they <laughs> end up like having get, like run off the road. And then the, the nephew of the bank owner picks them up and takes them to the bank owner's house. And they're like giving them all because they all have masks on. It's because they don't know these guys just robbed them, you know. So then it's just yeah. this really cool, like, you're showing them all this grace and love. And it's like, we just robbed your bank. And now that sucks. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I don't want to get to know you, you know. <laughs> I, get out of here. I just robbed these people. I don't want to get to know them. No and they keep trying to leave. They keep trying to leave. And by whatever circumstances, they can't leave. And everything, they just get blocked in. And it's cool. You see kind of this arc with, with all their characters and stuff. And I, that, that was so funny, you know. You know, goofy screwball kind of comedy, but um, I, I I love that movie. I watched that as a kid, and, and uh, we just we just love watching that every year. And then uh, another Nick Cage movie. Uh, <laughs> it's a Nick Cage Christmas in our house. But um, <laughs> is there any other kind? <laughs> and then uh, the Family Man. You ever watch the Family Man? Uh, I've never seen I don't that think one. I've seen that one. No. 
where he, this guy, Nick Cage is this like high affluent Wall Street guy, and then he wakes up one morning and he's uh, married with kids in the suburbs. Kate? Come on, Dad, get up! It's Christmas! It's Christmas! Yeah. Strong coffee. And he's like, what happened? Oh my God, you know. And it's kind of a, it's Wonderful Life in reverse because he sees, it's like instead of, uh, George Bailey going off and seeing the world and being this like independent, you know, mega guy. He he had the life. He had the wonderful life, right? Where he stayed home and you know had the kind of run run of the mill job and took care of family and took care of the town and stuff. Well, that's uh, it's the opposite because that's that's Nick Cage's that fantasy life. That's the life that he he sees like this little Just glimpse. Tell me what's happening to me in plain English with, without the mumbo jumbo. This is a glimpse, Jack. A glimpse. A, a glimpse of what? Well, you're going to have to figure that out for yourself. And you got plenty of time. Oh, yeah. So he, he, Taylor Leone is this, 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 his wife, and they break up in college. And it's like, what if they didn't break up? What if he didn't take this route of like the Wall Street mm. business route and then yeah. stayed with her? And then it was kind of like, which, which, alternate reality kind of thing. So that one's really good. That one's a that one's really cool in that way. Kind of a, again, recover. and he realizes like what's important and stuff is family instead of money and all that. You know, the the typical you know Christmas Christmas thing, right? <laughs> yeah. But um, that one, and then what's next, babe? What, what what after the Family Man? It's like uh, <laughs> I always forget because I think it's Home Alone. Maybe after those, or there's another one in there. Oh, jingle all the well, way. That, I think we, we, oh, jingle all the way yeah. after that, and then that Home Alone. And then Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, that's and a good then, one too, yeah. That's my favorite Christmas Carol. That's the best one. Yes, the bedposts were his own. The bed was his own. The room was his own. Hi, guys. We're back. We promised we would be. That's a good one. Yeah, it's great. I love it. I love it. It's a lot. I'm thinking about this this morning, too, because we watched it yesterday. Uh, when Tiny Tim dies, right? I don't want to spoil anything, Christmas Carol, Tiny Tim. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of Christmas yet to come. The big Green Reaper yeah, Muppet yeah, guy right. shows him the future where Scrooge stayed mean, I guess, and, T and Tiny Tim dies because Scrooge mm -hmm. never was not mean. And so, <laughs> I guess that's the thing. So, and and when when Bob Cratchit says, because uh, it was like the first Christmas without him, I guess. And so uh, they're all kind of sad around the table, and he says. Life is is full of meetings and partings, and as we sit here today, we, we mourn the loss of, of our of the first of the first parting of our family, Tiny Tim. It's all right, children. Life is made up of meetings and partings. That is the way of it. I am sure we shall never forget Tiny Tim, or this first parting that there was among us. And. And it's kind of interesting, like, man, yeah, life is full of meetings and partings, right? Like, mm -hmm. we're meeting here right now on Zoom, yeah, whatever, yeah. and we're going to part. We're going to go to bed. We're going to go away. And it's right. like, man, death is just like one of those partings, you know, and then yeah. you're just not going to see them again. And then that's yeah. how it goes. And then, you know, and so that's, yeah, I thought that was a good way to kind of look at it, at least temporarily of like uh, several meetings and parties. Like right now, there's people we're not talking to. We're not interacting yeah. with, yeah. we're not acknowledging their life and existence right now, right? But we will, and then they are alive, you know? And so there's this, 
so there's not worry about like oh, I'm never gonna speak to my parents again or something, whatever. Whoever's not dead, you know. And then it's like, but there will be that day. And then, yeah. but again, there'll be a meeting in heaven, right? And for Christians, there is a meeting and a, a parting and a meeting, right? Again, after the parting. So yes. for Christians, that never really ends. Yeah. You know how we're how we're interacting with each other, but not with others. That's kind of I mean I think how. Christians can see eternal life as far as there, these meetings and partings are going to keep going on and we are going to meet those with whom we part in this life. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind yeah. of that hope. I, and I, okay. I think another, yeah, I, I, I like that. And I, another thing that I like about a Christmas Carol is I've often used this as analogies before on like how to, so like you have the tons of teachings from Jesus about like, you know, pray for you, pray for those who persecute you, love your enemies, uh, and you know, all these really difficult things. Uh, and I've used this actually as an analogy before for how to cultivate a type of Christian imagination of other people, particularly people that you just don't like or that are your enemy or something like that. Um, because I think that Charles Dickens does this brilliantly. So Charles Dickens grew up actually, uh, his, his father, I think the, you can look this up on like Wikipedia or whatever. His father was sold into debtor's credit, uh, not sold, but was put into uh, prison, debtor's credit prison. Finally, um, so Charles- by the time Dickens was 12, his father was arrested for debt and uh, thrown into the Marshalsea. The Marshalsea was a prison into which you were put if you couldn't afford to pay your debts and you could bring your family to live with you if you so chose. Um, so Charles Dickens had to actually work for a long time uh, to support his family. So he grew up working for Scrooge. Charles, who was the eldest male child of the family, was not allowed to move into uh, the debtor's prison with the rest of the family. The young boy was seen as an economic resource to the family. He was sent to work in a shoe polish factory. This is not some sort of like character that he, this is based on real interactions with real greedy people that were exploiting him uh, whenever he was just trying to take care of his family, whenever they were at their most vulnerable stage. And so this is like an enemy. <laughs> you know, this is like the worst person that Charles Dickens can think of, probably the, the people that were, you know, exploiting his family growing up. And rather than writing a story in which like, there's this giant Quentin Tarantino ending and Ebenezer Scrooge gets blown away and it's like, you know, uh, you know, infinite gunfire just like rips his body to shreds or something. Rather than writing that story, he ends up writing the story of redemption in which like Ebenezer Scrooge experiences this whole transformation and is able to change his life and, um, you know, stops being someone who exploits others and instead starts actually caring for others and showing love and, and everything. And I think that that represents a really good analogy of, you know, kind of how Christians can, you know, pray for those who persecute them and right. at least have that kind of longing rather than, um, I, I think too often it, the temptation is just to get into like, you know, wanting vengeance against them and, and right. wanting those other David, people. Those, those David yeah. Psalms. Right. I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. Listen, let them be trapped in their own nets. And <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, we shouldn't pray for like the demise of, of our enemies, but the repentance and in, in salvation of our enemies. Yeah. That, yeah, that's what they need. They don't need, yeah, that's awesome. That's really yeah. cool. And then th- there is that part, though, uh, where he, he raises a glass to Scrooge, 
you know, even, yeah. even, yeah. you know, and it's like, yeah. like he, he, he gave us this feast. I give you Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. Oh, no. I wish I had him here now. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast himself upon. My dear, the children, Christmas Day. You know, and so there's still great, you know, gratefulness and stuff in that. And like just contentment there in the, in the, in the Bob Cratchit, you know, it's like, huh, that's, that's interesting. That's, you don't see that a lot, but it's like, yeah. not only, not only do you be content with it, but you think, be thankful for it. It's like, wow. Right. Thankful for that. You know, you can't imagine, but he is. And that's, yeah, that's definitely a Christian message for sure. Now, a kind of weird subset of Christmas movies, and it's kind of the dominant Christmas movie now is what used to be just the Hallmark Christmas movie, but now it's the Netflix Roberts Christmas movie. Roberts is Sloan, a woman with an interfering family who agrees to fake a relationship with Luke Bracey's Jackson. And as you've probably guessed by now, these two deeply attractive people struggle to keep things platonic. Is the, the, you know, it's kind of the mole, it's the, uh, what do you call the mad libs of movie scripts? It's just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. rich girl, small town, hunky guy, meaning of Christmas. And they just yeah. plug and play whatever you need. And it's, they irritate me so much because they're really not Christmas movies. You could set them at any time in any situation. Yes. It still work. It just happens to be Christmas. Yeah. At yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's almost consumerist in that it, it's selling you that idea, right. Of like wholeness and completeness and the meaning of life. But through these um, strong, powerful, independent career women who just don't know what they're looking for yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it is a, you know, like you said, it, it you know, uh, not very creative, kind of mad blibs. I, I, that's a great analogy. You know, you could put it anywhere. Um, it's almost like a just a background type of thing. You know, it almost sets the atmosphere of your house if you just put on Hallmark Channel and just right. kind of let it play in the background. It's like, oh, pretty Christmas imagery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but who doesn't want to live in Hallmark world? Exactly. Right. It's the perfect the, ideal the perfect Christmas little bookshop in the perfect little cafe and the per everybody's, you know, dressed nice. And even like the poor people or the mean people are like still kind of <laughs> yeah. okay. You right, know? right. All right. Yeah. It, yeah. These things are symbolic or instances of what some people call uh, culture shock is a sense in which like if the feeling of your own culture and society that you live in is just progressing too far beyond you in a type of like technological sense, not like progressive. I know, I know that's like right. a, you know, political term now, but I mean yeah. like in a type of technological sense and socioeconomic sense of, you know, like the big cities and, and, you know, all this urban stuff and all this technology and all these phones and all this, you know, whatever is, you know, so changing the pace of our lives. And it's kind of a shock that many people experience since, overwhelming and it can be kind of soul draining and and everything and, and these films kind of represent a longing to get back to something that's more simple uh but kind of in a uh it, it doesn't represent like a nuanced realistic take on how that can happen it's kind of like you know you just got to meet a hunky guy you don't have to thank me i i'm responsible for this whole mess in the first place no you opened the door that needed to be opened. Alice is the only place for a king. Without a queen. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm still trying, I guess, you know. <laughs> 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 Apparently that's the ticket to, to, to 
it, you know, it's a, a great little simple life. But <laughs> yeah, I saw this. I saw this comedian who's talking about that. And he's talking about the Hallmark movies, and he's like, uh, you know, I I live in the city and make pretty decent money, and my girlfriend's going to her hometown in Connecticut. For sure. <laughs> oh no! Like, like, seen enough Hallmark movies to know I'm the bad guy in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I have this like, idea. Oh no! I have this. I have this idea for a Hallmark movie, um, which this is going to make you know listeners think I'm a psychopath. But um, what I'd really like to make is a Hallmark movie in which like she meets the hometown hunk. And uh, it turns out he's like a psychotic killer, you know. So it like turns oh, into like a like a slasher movie, um, nice. you know. Where it, it, uh, yeah. But it keeps all of the same tones. Like the music stays oh, the same, the script, oh, atmosphere, oh, yeah. and like the you know all the acting is still like cheesy dialogue and everything. It's just he's a crazy killer. <laughs> um, but I guess nice. they like they already kind of made a movie. Well, not exactly like that, but you know, then I discovered uh, a Black Christmas. <laughs> no, you, I mean, you know what it sounds more like is uh, Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. Oh, I haven't seen that one actually. Oh man, that's a good. If you haven't seen Hot Fuzz, you got to see it. It's good. I don't want to oh, okay. give anything away because it's okay. It's yeah. so absurd, but it's a Simon Pegg. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I, it's, oh, it's so good. Yeah, they're yeah. great. It's it's kind of right up that vein where it's like the the sleepy, quiet town in the countryside with a sinister underbelly. Sanford is the safest village in the country. A whole lot is about to go down. You're saying this wasn't an accident. Have you ever wondered why the crime rate is so low and yet the accident rate is so high? Yes, yes. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's like Stars Hollow and Gilmore Girls. You ever watch Gilmore Girls? Yes. And like <laughs> I've that, never watched Gilmore Girls. They live in this little Connecticut town, and it's like this perfect little village of people. And I have a, I have a feeling it's like a, whatever you like, progressive liberal wants the world to be. Yep. And it's the same Taylor who is town select man and owns two businesses. Yeah, he's basically the mayor of Stars Hollow and the Don Corleone all wrapped up into one. That's fascinating. It's fascinating. I find Stars Hollow fascinating. You're out of your gourd. No, I'm not. I'm very much in my gourd. This is cool. It's like Colonial Williamsburg with fewer knickers and tricorn hats. More hay. This is Luke Stein. And, and is this like community where everybody, everything just kind of works and nobody's greedy and nobody's, you know, and it's, but it's just like, that's just, that's television. That's Hallmark Channel. <laughs> like, that's not how people are. Those aren't real people. Like, you know, <laughs> the world's, unfortunately, the world, I wish it were. I wish that would be great. Like, I'd love to live in that Hallmark world. Where like everybody drives a Lexus and you know <laughs> and the poor people drive like older Lexuses, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, know. Or a Honda. Oh, or you know? That's from yeah. Wow. Right. Oh. No, dude, the older I get, the more uh Lorelai and Rory Gilmore just irritate me. Yeah, because me too. they're so needy, like they always need something from someone and they're so snobby towards everybody. Well, like, it feels like perfect world problems. It's like, should I marry the dentist or the millionaire? And like <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Well, I love that, like, the whole Lorelai has, like, her parents are paying for her child's very expensive private school education, and she still, like, can't find the energy to go to dinner with them. Like, they're giving yeah. you, in theory, thousands of dollars for this, and you can't just sit through a dinner with it. It bothers me so much. And, like, 
single moms don't like look the, like the snobby you. beggar. It's so <laughs> well, it's like that you don't have the single mom life. I mean, I watched that. I grew up with a single mom, and it's like that's not what a single right. mom world is like, bro. You don't live in this nice little cottage in the woods and work at an inn, <laughs> and your kid goes to Harvard. Like that's mm-hmm. not the you know what I mean? Like it's just so. Right. She's got that spunky attitude, and she knows cool bands and. Please look. Please, please, please. How many cups have you had this morning? None. Plus? Five, but yours is better. You have a problem. Yes, I do. Junkie. Angel, you've got wings, baby. I lost my Macy Gray CD and I need caffeine. Oh, I have your CD. See? It's like, so she's the down and out one, I guess. It's like, okay, what, whatever. Like, <laughs> 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 come back to me when you're living in an apartment on food stamps and like can't yeah <laughs> working three jobs I mean, in the mall. Yeah, and, she, she didn't she didn't make bad choices. She's not a bad decision maker. She just has a free spirit. Like she's too yeah. much for them. To, she doesn't fit to their mold. You don't get me. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get me. I'm a dreamer. Yeah. Anyway, I want to I want to talk about this thing because I didn't know about it until you sent me the link for it. And you mentioned it last time, uh, but I checked it out today because I wanted to watch it right before just to get to get it fresh in my mind. Was that Fire by Night? Mm, yes. Man, I <laughs> I had so many feelings while I was watching it because it's exactly like you said. It's like an SNL geared at Christian teenagers. <laughs> It's not bad as far as like production value. Like the house band was really good. The the camera yeah, work wasn't yeah. bad, but the writing and the acting and everything else just yes. awful. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's it's it, it, it. You're describing it perfectly. I mean, looking at like just the the set and like you know the stage and everything, I'm like that looks pretty cool. Um, that, you know, like it has like in the the graphic design. I'm like that is so like ultimate cool 90s kind of urban-esque type of you know and we're going to be going on location to beautiful colorado we got a great program lined up want you to stick around we'll be right back after this um you know and like you said the you know production value and on everything pretty decent and it's just the acting is in dialogue it is just it's crazy uh it's so weird my favorite part was the, the opening Christmas. So I did some research on it because I needed to know. I Like I said, I never heard of it before. Yeah. Apparently, it was available via subscription. Yes. So you like would, magazine. Yeah. You would sign up and you would send in your money and they would mail you a VHS or Betamax tape, depending on what your machine was. And right. that's how you saw the show. Like it, it only existed via magazine subscription. Yeah. So the first the Christmas skit they did cracked me up because it was like – such a whiplash of stuff happening at one time. Like, I didn't know how I was supposed to react to it. It is, uh, Solomon, I, I meant to send you the link and I got lost in it because it was fascinating. <laughs> but they have a, like a family, they're playing a fa- it, almost like, do you remember the, the Matt Foley motivational speaker when he comes into? <laughs> All right, how's everybody? Good, good, good. Now, as your father probably told you, my name is Matt Foley, and I am a motivational speaker. 
So it's like that, but with a Santa Claus guy. This guy is Santa Claus, and the family's all there, and he busts into the room, and he's like, you guys are giving me the presents this year. All right, everybody, get in this tree and give me the gifts right now. I thought you were supposed to give us presents. Yeah, I'm supposed to, kid, but this year, Santa Claus is doing it different. It's like he's robbing them. That's what I think is happening. But then the dad tells him about Jesus. You see, Santa Christmas is about the Christ child. It's not about white snow because, well, snow melts and you get stuck in it. And it's not about red noses on a cold winter night because that's the way you catch the flu. Man, what you trying to say to me? <laughs> oh, come on, Santa. Put Christ back in your Christmas. <laughs> he decides not to rob them, I guess. And he just leaves. He's like, you're right, I'm going to be more positive. But my favorite part is at the end, because the daughter turns to the dad and she's Daddy, like... Daddy, I didn't think that there was a real Santa Claus, because I didn't think... We don't believe in Santa Claus, do we? And the dad, like, with no irony, just... I have no idea who that man was. But we did get to share with him the truth about Christmas. And he didn't get any of our presents. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? What is this supposed to be? It, it's oh man it is yeah it's a bizarre skit it's it, like I, i'd love to be in the writing rooms on this I'm, like, I'm pretty sure like whenever i was in middle school and i was forced to come up with a skit you know for like some school project it ended up looking like that um and i'm like y'all are like supposed to you know theoretically be professionals at this and right. you know you're generating this type of content um and the they also have like I mean, this is a problem within most Christian media, the tokenization of like one black what? man is like, they have just one one black guy and they give him all the black stuff to do. Yes. And they're like, yeah, be into hip hop. And like, he's black Santa, so he breaks in and he's trying to rob them. And it's just like- <laughs> That was the part that was really oh, weird. I know, I was like, oh no, um, oh, this is this is not good. <laughs> Oh, man. And they, they had a musical guest. I looked it up because apparently this was, I guess it was a big deal. I, I don't know, mm. you know how mm. widespread, but yes. they had musical guests every episode. And this guy was a guy named Chucky P. Chucky P. Chucky P. Come on, Chucky. <laughs> the epitome of the 80s. He had the pastel suit with no tie, with the button all the way up, ponytail and everything. And he sang a song called, Do You Have a Problem With That? But Do You Have a Problem With Dat? With a D. D-A-T. All right. Chucky P, do you have a problem with that? And it was all about how, <laughs> how he sold out for Jesus. So he doesn't need your weed or your sex. And if you got a problem with that, that's just too bad. He has a whole album. Apparently, he's still working. He put out an album not too long ago. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. God, God bless Chucky P. It, it sounds like his voice sounds like a combination of Jimmy Fallon's impersonation of Bob Dylan and Prince. Like if you could combine those two things oh, together, man. that's Chucky P. And he's like trying to, you know, be hip and cool about, uh, you know, how he's, I guess, getting like persecuted or made fun of for not doing drugs or having sex. Um, so <laughs> it, it's great. Oh, man.
I did and watch, they like uh, tried to make him a little music video to go along with it, and they just like stuck him in front of a green screen with a couple different hats. It's great. <laughs> a couple different hats. That was like, he had one of those flat like African style hats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but it didn't fit the, the song or the vibe. But um, oh, so that's funny. It's funny we talk about this, like how we you see Christianity trying to emulate the culture, right? You're trying to see yeah. like. Yeah. Well, this is what kids are into, so we have to do this, right? Or this is what people are into, so we have to make it like that. And uh, I read this book, um, God Rest You, Mary, by Douglas Wilson, and uh, why Christmas is the foundation for everything. And it's talking about how, like, in, like, I guess, Saturnalia and uh, what was the other one, the, the other holiday? Uh, Stolen Invicta. Yeah. So apparently those were, like, Christianity was booming in, in the Roman Empire, and they were like, "Oh, we don't want that them to have it." Because a lot of the, the the common idea is that that uh, Christianity took these pagan holidays and made it Christmas, right? And so, like, instead of Saturnalia, mm-hmm. Sol Invicta, it's uh, we 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 took that on and made it Christmas, right? It's December twenty fifth, whatever. Well, I guess Saturnalia is yeah. not even twenty fifth, and it was something that they kind of like had fallen out of but like tried to revive when Christianity was coming along and booming. Mm-hmm. It was like, Oh, people are super into this like Christianity thing. We got to update our pagan thing to like make it look like Christianity. So they assume that the whole thing is sort of a um, pagan Christian hash. And so people just say, Oh, that makes sense with this broader, this broader narrative. But a lot of things that people say, like Saturday, the Romans celebrated Saturnalia. And this is just, Christmas is Saturnalia, but Saturnalia was December 17th, or the winter solstice, but uh, the winter solstice is not on December 25th. Um, The emperor Aurelian uh, established in the late third century, the late 200s, he established a pagan holiday called Sol Invictus, the feast of the unconquerable sun. I would want to argue that this is pagan pushback. If if you start with just a few thousand Christians um, in the third, uh, you know, 33 AD, just a few thousand Christians, and then several centuries later, they're on the verge of becoming the official religion of the Roman Empire. That had to have been an explosive um, supernova movement. It makes sense to me that the pagans, that Sol Invictus was not uh, the holiday that Christians knocked off trying to establish Christmas, but rather the pagans were pushing back and trying to answer the Christian holiday. And so it is this weird kind of like inverse reality of like, oh, okay, like, so what if people were trying to, like, we want to, we want to make Christianity relevant, right? But it's like, why, why, (laughs) first of all, (laughs) and it's like, we're trying to adopt, make Christianity adopt all these pop culture things when there's no such thing as culture or anything without Christianity. So it's like we're, we're trying to like make Christianity as if there's this neutral ground, the secular world, the kingdom, and then Christianity. And we're just trying to like piece it together to like just make it look like the world or whatever. And it's like there's no world without Christianity. So what are you doing? This is our stuff. Like we can't Christianize music because there's no such thing as music without Christianity. So and it's this weird thing of like someone coming over to your house and you ask if you can – and get something from the fridge. And it's like, 
this is your house. What are we doing? Why are you asking? Like, if we can, you know, it's like, can Christianity, can Christianity melge with reason and science? It's like, there's no reason or science without God. What are you talking about? Like, it's just nothingness without, without, in a godless worldview. Yeah. yeah. Things don't make sense. And so we're trying to like mesh Christianity and all these things, but there's none of those things without Christianity. It's this weird thing that we've, we've done. I think Christianity needs to like stop doing that. And just you know, <laughs> go go with it. You know, I listen to this yeah. uh, podcast called The Blues Kitchen, and it's about all blues music and gospel, southern roots music, Americana uh, yeah. music, Very and cool. they play gospel music mm-hmm. from like the sixties and seventies, and it's awesome. They love it, and this is like this is some of the best music ever recorded, and it's like praising God, and it's all and and yeah. like. Yeah, like this is awesome. Like they get yeah. it. Why don't we? Like, right. why don't we? <laughs> we get it? You know, and yeah, man, it's just weird how it's like to see the the world appreciating Christianity, and it's like you know, we don't unless it's dressed up like this weird godless thing. You know? <laughs> yeah, there's there is like some historical context to why that's the case as well. Of like in the or at least from what I've heard recently, um, listening to. A lecture about this and there was a um, like an early 20th century the religion was a little bit more institutionalized and kind of you know your traditional mainline protestant you know by the culture and, and all that kind of stuff and then about mid 20th century uh, people started breaking away from the traditional you know uh, institutional churches of their lame parents um, you know, want to do their own thing. And then you get kind of like evangelicalism starts as this populist movement um, that's very fueled by like not being part of those broader institutions. And 1960s and 70s, you have the Jesus movement and people are like, we don't need to be in your lame church buildings, mom. I, ha- I you know, we're going to the beach, um, you know, and, and everything. And so, that, you know, all that kind of stuff and trying to uh, spark that you know, revival, but at the same time that this kind of populist Christianity is rising, you also have uh, consumerism becoming deeply ingrained into the American culture in the 1960s and like fully becoming, you know, what we are. And they end up getting kind of meshed together in a really unique way such that like this kind of uh, populist consumerist Christianity becomes like what people end up um craving and then that gets it's kind of perfect formulation later on with like the seeker friendly churches um in uh with like bill hybels and, and willow creek and they start asking questions like um you know how can we get as many people into our church building as possible and so okay. then they say like well we need to start treating it like a business and right. you know, we need to start marketing, marketing. we need right. to start you know and, and so it ends up kind of treating the gospel treating christianity as this kind of commodified object to sell to people in order to generate revenue and uh, they end yeah. up eliminating kind of the the distinctive christian arts that go along with it and instead they start adopting well what are the kids into these days oh well they like uh um they like you know prince music okay get chucky p in here and you know, he's gonna sing about you know like so that kind of stuff of like how can we you know impress the kids and of course it's always like 10 years behind what's actually cool uh, <laughs> but uh you know so, so yeah. you know you, you do see that phenomenon and instead of like so it's kind of ingrained in the practice of looking what's popular and trying to copy it in order to like increase your church attendance mm-hmm. 
rather than yeah the other way yes watered down christianity there's a weird thing about that that i've noticed too uh i guess it kind of hit me today just because i saw it. i was at barnes and noble christmas shopping and uh you know they have the little bible section and i i never pieced it together before but i kind of saw it at that moment that every uh translation is from a different publisher right mm. so if you're getting the esv it's crossway if you're getting an niv it's zondervan if you're getting a uh you know it's it's all different publishing houses and dr james white i don't know if you're familiar with them he had pointed this out before that the reason there's so many translations is just because of licensing fees so like <laughs> the people who want to publish a bible don't want to pay the rights to zondervan for the niv so they're going to do an esv or they're going to you know and That's it's just cool. weird that that kind of thing fuels so much of christianity just that consumer culture and that market research and that well we got to keep the margins up so we can't afford to pay for this so we'll do our own right yeah, and then Christianity becomes this lifestyle choice instead of it's like when you're selling something, you're in the marketplace, right? And you're you're one product among many viable mm -hmm. products. So, you know, yeah. there's all kinds of trucks, right? And so we're just right. all pretty much the same. And so you're just gonna how do we get people to kind of feel for our trucks, you know? And so there's all these like marketing campaigns and persuasion, all these tactics. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, we you're exactly right. We've done this with Christianity, and that's it. But it's not like instead of being the only truth that exists it's an option right and then you have even like rick warren with the purpose-driven life telling ask people to give uh, god a 30-day trial yeah. <laughs> give jesus a 30-day trial and it's like what are you doing man like <laughs> this, is not, this is not a sales pitch but it has all evangelism and stuff has become a sales pitch and there's whole like right. evangelism programs like ee have you heard of ee evangelism i know i'm not familiar with this no it's like it's a program it's like an actual program your church can like pay for and subscribe to get the curriculum and stuff and teach your people mm -hmm. how to do ee it's evangelism explosion and it's all about like it's, it's just they have like the the tactics and stuff and tracks and different curriculum oh, yeah. and first ask, first ask this and then ask this and it's like you're teaching salespeople how to like sell yeah <laughs> and yeah. it's really weird <laughs> it's like so weird and like that's just not you're giving them to them as this is this is like this will change your life. I remember Best Buy had one of the best slogans that, like in the early 2000s. The slogan was "Your life better." <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that was Best Buy's. That's crazy. Your life That's better. I was like, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's but yeah, it's it become that thing. It's like improve your life. You know, your best life now, and you know, mm -hmm. every day Friday and all the Joel Osteen's crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you get the ads? Because I I get them now, and I guess it's just through the algorithm. Because I follow so many uh, pages that are religious in nature, where it's like pre-written sermons. So if you're a, if you're a pastor who doesn't have a lot of time, these sermons wow. are tested and tried, and they're they're shown to be effective. So we'll have them sent to you. That way you can be ready for Sunday morning without having to do too much work. That's great. Wow. I know. Oh, that's like literally phoning it in. Oh, it's my God. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Because, wow. you, you know, you like to think that maybe maybe to not as much because they do have a lot of responsibility, but your pastor is putting a lot of thought and, and meditation on the scriptures into these sermons. But like, no, we don't got time for that. We're sending you one that we've tested. This is focus group. This will get yeah. you the tears that you need and the altar call response that you're looking for. Well, have you seen the hand thing? Did you ever hear the hand, like, evangelism thing? It's like, Christ came down and <laughs> walked among us, and then, like, to and then he died. It's like this weird, like, 
like you, everybody's like, got a I hand. Remember right? this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't need a track. You don't need a paper program. You got a hand. Your hand. Right. <laughs> Just remember the whole thing, and then the 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 beads on the the bracelet. Remember, yeah, like remember the, the, yeah. the the black and the white and the red and the yep. yellow and blue and all those things. Yeah, man. There's WWJD. I mean, yeah. you know, it's all marketing. It's all <laughs> yeah, yeah, programming. Yeah. Which is weird, you know. In hindsight, that's kind of weird. Now that you mention that, because as as market market driven as Christianity is, it's kind of conceded every aspect of Christmas, which is like the most consumerist holiday that we have. You would think we'd be more all in on it, but it's like, when's the last time you saw like a gospel focused Christmas anything? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I guess I'm I'm trying to think back. Um, John Brown, a really like distinctively good like Christian Christmas thing that was made. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind, I actually have a lot of respect for Michael W. Smith's first Christmas oh, album. Here we go. Um, the, I, I actually think that that one's really good. like modernization of Handel's Messiah again drawing on like a, a, a Christian um, tradition one of the great works of, of Christian art um, it, it's not just a ripoff but it's like you know right. kind of inspired by that style um, there's a lot of really interesting creative choices going on within the music and um, you know it's not like my favorite thing in the world but I do think right. it's a really good work of legitimate creative art from this kind of Christian perspective. And then now I think he just does like covers of let it snow and, and stuff. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that, that, that album is, is really good. I think that was like 1990 something. Well, he fell into that weird uh, contemporary Christian music kind of pop scene. And it's yeah, almost, yeah. I don't know if you're like how familiar you are with Rich Mullins, mm -hmm. but the, the song he wrote, uh, sing your praise to the Lord has that really, really classical piano intro intro Apparently, yeah. yeah he wrote that with michael w smith in mind specifically like i wrote this for you because you're an amazing wow. piano. But it's, I guess he's a, you know, brilliant musician wow. and we just don't know that. Cause I think of like, you know, the, what's that? And friends are friends forever. If the Lord, that, that's what I think of when I think of Michael W. Smith. Right. <laughs> 20 of those. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. And then, and then especially when like the contemporary worship music craze oh, started yeah. booming with like Chris Tomlin oh, yeah. and oh, casting oh. crowns. And uh, that's oh. whenever he made that switch and he was really popular for a little bit and then just right. died right. off because the song you know oh. took over that industry and uh, yeah. Um, yeah that's a real shame too because that man i yeah i remember that like uh petra uh remember petra you remember that? Yeah. oh yeah oh yeah they had a praise album petra praise one and mm -hmm. two. Oh man that was good that was like the lord i lift your name oh, you know and that like they just rock those out. 
awesome god and man those are like jams <laughs> the camp the camp jams you know <laughs> summer camp just boom yeah man those are the best <laughs> i want to do a I want to do a Christmas music, we got Christmas music, Christian music retrospective using the Newsboys as a template. Because yeah. I think they're the, like, the only band that you can see evolve from, like, fringy rock group into mainstream praise group over time. Yeah. Like, they ran the full gamut of everything. When I watch these Christmas movies that, that's, that aren't, aren't about Christ, as a Christian, they are about things that only make sense in a Christian worldview. Like family, yep. love, and thankfulness, and togetherness, and all these things. It's like, well, that finds its ultimate meaning in Christianity, not in any other godless worldview. Like, there's, it's always just like this limited thing. Um, and yeah, it's like there is no art without God, without Christianity. There is no, there's like, there's no neutrality. There's, there's not this like weird like marketplace of faiths and ideologies and stuff. It's just like, well, God created everything, right? So like, this mm -hmm. is. This was ours first, and so now the, uh, the world needs to be not not um, changed, whatever, but like redeemed back mm -hmm. to Christ, mm -hmm. because that's yeah. where it came from, you know, through the Word. And so everything needs to be redeemed back to Christ. And so when we watch, the, like, family me actually means something in Christianity, right? Family, you know, mm -hmm. love, peace, togetherness, community, gratefulness, gifts, whatever, actually means something in Christianity. Because the yeah. alternative is molecules, you know. It's like okay, well, everything just kind of gets reduced down to whatever else. And so, love is just a chemical reaction in our brains to procreate the species, right? Okay, right. well, that's you're not gonna find that on a lot of Christmas cards, or like, you know, <laughs> I hope not. It'd be terrible ones. It'd be terrible Christmas. They were on the ones I sent out this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a terrible Christmas Christmas movie, you know, or whatever. Because uh, it's not true. It's not real. Nobody actually lives that way. Everyone lives like a Christian. And basically, they we they we act like music means something. We cry at a symphony because we don't know why. Like we, like, there's no other explanation other than we're creating the image of God, and so that that's how I see like art and and logic and family and politics and everything is is under the kingdom of God. And the alternative is rebels to that kingdom, right? And so they need to be redeemed into the kingdom of of the only truth that exists. So before we head out, uh, any projects that you're working on right now? I know you have some Christmas stuff right out right now. Do you want to mention any of that? Go ahead and get it out there for people to hear. Sure. Yeah, I, I did just release a, uh, a Christmas album and a kind of like visual album that goes along with it, uh, kind of like a music video. Um, and it's called the album's called uh, Ghosts of Ad or Ghost of Advent. Um, you can find it on my Bandcamp, Vacation Bible School, or on on my YouTube. Um, and I just tried to make as sad of a Christmas album as I could. Um, <laughs> admittedly, I was really sad this year and uh, it wasn't my plan going into it. Um, and uh, it, <laughs> I, I was originally going to make like a kind of fake Christian um, church Christmas service. Mm. Um, and, and then uh, I, I, I got, admittedly, I got my heart broken this last uh, <laughs> semester. Um, and, and so you'll probably be able to recognize that theme within within the album. I don't know if she's listening to this podcast. I'm sorry <laughs> if you're watching this. You know, I, I, <laughs> it, it wasn't right. going into it. And then I looked back at the album and I was like, oh, no, what did I do? And then it was too late. And I was like, I guess I got to release it um, in time for Christmas. So, you know, that, that is. But I. 
you know, I, I uh, it's not, that's not the only thing. It's also, you know, me just dealing with kind of like how weird Christmas is this year and, you know, not being able to spend time with family or loved ones and, and things like that. But if um, you are listening, you're dead to us. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't be mean. <laughs> oh, God. Dude, we're going to have to, I'm going to have to get a hold of you. We're going to have to collaborate on something sometime because I love that idea of a fake uh, Christmas service as an, as oh, a thank you. Thank you. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. I'm, oh, I am working on like a. Uh, um, I was really inspired by Andy Warhol's um, movie Chelsea Girls, okay. uh, which is like two movies playing at the same time. So I'm working right now on. I've, I've kind of downloaded and digitized a couple of Christmas church services, oh. um, and like playing it at the same time and alternating the songs and what's quiet, what's getting heard. So I'm, I'm in the process of editing that right now. You're right up my alley right now. We're like <laughs> we're we're on the same plane today. So. There we go. Yes. So, uh, yeah, this will be the last episode for the year. Uh, next two weeks, it's Christmas Eve and then New Year's Eve, so we won't be back until January, uh, hopefully with some other stuff. But, everybody, thank you for watching us through this year. It's been kind of crazy seeing everything grow and, and kind of develop throughout here. Like, I, I think I mentioned last time, we have listeners in three countries, which still blows my mind. So, uh, if you're one of those listeners outside of America, shoot us an email or a Facebook comment or a YouTube comment or something, because I'd li really like to know uh what you guys I, we talk very much about what's going on kind of in our little bubble what we're dealing with and what we see cropping up but you know what are you guys dealing with what 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 does church look like over there what does life look like over there how are you dealing with everything that's going on so uh yeah if you're listening somewhere else please reach out to us we always love the interaction um, so yeah until next year uh merry christmas this is the time this is the place and we'll see you guys next time so peace All right. merry christmas thank you for having me on